Thank you. Oh, that's good stuff. I spent uh, a little time in the Southwest. Not to brag, but I'm a little bilingual. Y means and, so put it in my slide, hairy feet oil, which means hair and feet oil. Hope you guys like my Spanglish. Uh, <laughs> uh, hopefully you guys remember that title, huh? Good to see. Um, all right, well, kids are going downstairs. We're going to, um, that's good stuff. Who here, actually, you don't have to put your hand up, but like, we need some hope in this world, huh? Isn't it cool that we get to, we get to bring it? Um, I like that. All right, hairy feet oil. Uh, here we go. You guys ready for this? Here's a cool little picture I took off the internet. Um, but, Found out today, where's Josh I? Josh I, if, you, if you've got questions of how to make oil, talk to Josh who will redirect you to his mom, right? No? He's like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> um, we were talking before church about uh, the process of making oil. And you know what? There's a, there's a number of processes to doing it, you know? And I was looking at it this week, and it's like, well, you could heat it almost to a melting point, and then you take the vapors off of this thing after this chemical reaction. I'm like, that's way too much. Right? And then there's other ones where literally you, you take, you know, something and you put it in olive oil and you let it saturate. It has to sit there and like saturate it in it. It soaks it up and it becomes one with the oil itself, right? And so like there's this process with that. There's other processes where they, they literally lay down this layer of, of fat and then you put the, these flowers on it and it, it pulls the stuff out of the flowers. But you have to know your time frame because it's about two days, give or take a flower, and then you take it off and you put the new one in. Otherwise, you get like the rotting part that also gets sucked in there, so that's not ideal. But anyways, like I was sitting there and I was reading through this. I was like, man, there's a lot of things about how to make these oils, right? But most of them have to do with pressure. Most of them have to do with heat, saturation, and time. So pressure, heat, saturation, and time. Um, how many people... Uh, again, you don't have to put your hand up, but most of us have heard the story about the woman who anointed Jesus' feet with oil, right? So that's kind of where we're going in this. But I actually want to differentiate because in a lot of ways, there's actually two stories of this happening. Did you guys know that, that there's two stories of this? Kind of, yeah? Yes? No? Okay, good. Um, if you look at Luke 6, so this is leading up to it, um, this is two smaller words for most of you, so you want to just put Luke 6, 37 and 38. But um, caught my attention because this is the chapter essentially before all this stuff happens in Luke. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. And this is what it reminded me of the oil is. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. And those are terms a lot of times that they'll use with, with oil. Uh, for with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. All right, so in chapter 7, so in Luke we have basically, Jesus calls his disciples, right, says some of these things. Then he goes and he heals the centurion's son because of his faith, who also understands authority. That's a whole other sermon. Then he raises a widow's son from the dead, again another sermon. John the Baptist, he sends his peeps over and says, hey, Go ask Jesus if he's the one. Cool response. Again, another sermon, another day. Um, Jesus then says, coming up to the chapter that we're about to talk to, um, he makes this comment about like, man, you say that 
that John the Baptist has got demons because he won't drink. Yet I drink with you and you, you, you call me like a drunkard and a glutton, right? And so it's like, man, we can't win if we're doing it. We can't win if we're not doing it. And then he transitions into this passage where there's uh, Simon the Pharisee, okay? So a teacher of the law, he says, okay, I see this Jesus dude. He's healing people in the town. He's saying some stuff. I'm going to bring him in to see what he's about, right? So he brings Jesus into his home, right? While he's in his home, he's trying to evaluate who is this guy, right? Because people, there's these whispers. Well, it's kind of like Elijah. It's kind of like Moses. Is he a prophet? This guy's raising people from the dead. He's got obviously some sort of power. So this guy brings him in. He's like, I'm going to check this guy out. While he's there at his house, a woman shows up. Now, this woman is a prostitute. Well-known prostitute, evidently, right, in the town. And not going to speculate as to why she felt either the comfortability of walking into his house and going straight to Jesus, other than I want to identify, she had the boldness to say, this is probably not the appropriate setting, but I have to be with Jesus. I have to spend time with him. She wasn't waiting for a culturally appropriate time, because what, guess what? As a prostitute, there probably wasn't a culturally appropriate time. It just probably wasn't. She was moved, and she brings in this oil. And she busts this oil, and she goes and she anoints his feet, right? And she is sobbing, and her tears are all over his, his feet, and she's kissing his feet. And this guy is thinking to himself, yeah, nailed it. This guy is not a prophet, because if he knew what kind of woman this was, he wouldn't be letting all this happen, Right? And she is just putting the perfume on, right? Now, I don't know if you guys can take a big smell of, you might be able to smell me. I, uh, I put on my cologne today like I was 13. So, um, <laughs> so as I walk around, if you smell strong, it's, it's my fault. Um, you know, as, as a teacher, in, you know, when I went through school for teaching, one of the things that they teach us is that scent is most closely related to memory. Isn't that kind of cool? And so sometimes a scent will bring you right back to a certain space, a certain time, a certain word, a certain memory of something, right? And so like the most powerful of senses, she's anointing his feet with this oil, the oil of a prostitute that probably men in that community, they knew that scent. And they're like, well, he doesn't know what he's getting himself into. Everybody's going to know he's been with that woman, you know? Like, there's something going on with this scent, right? So anyways, Jesus tells the guy a story. And basically, it's, it's like, hey, you know, one was forgiven this amount of dollars, this one way more dollars. Which one do you think would be happier? And he's like, well, obviously the one that had the greater debt that was forgiven. And he says, okay, good. And he, he turns to the woman and he forgives her of her sin. And, and he's like, whoa, 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 what kind of authority is this that you... And forgive people's sins, right? So there's this moment where you're like, wait a second, this guy's trying to take it all in. The cool thing is, Jesus walks out of that house, and because showering was less regularly then than now, chances are he walked around for days smelling like the prostitute. Think about that for a second. Like, when you I don't know how many people have had their feet washed by another person or have washed somebody's feet. It is a humbling experience, but it's also an intimate experience. It's an experience where it's like, I am 
100% associating with you. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to take your scent. I am not afraid to stand with the kind of pouring out of your, your heart towards this. Like, I love the beauty and the scent of what she was doing with her heart with Jesus. Isn't that cool? He was willing to say, I'm going to take your scent. But the cool thing is, as he walked around, people started associating that scent with him wherever he was going. But guess what? She started walking around with the scent of who? Jesus. Right? You want to walk with the scent of Jesus, you got to pour out your heart. All right? So what happens next in chapter uh, 8 is soon afterwards, so like this is the very next words in, in Luke. Soon afterwards, he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, whom the seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, uh, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others were provided for them out of their means. This is a whole other sermon itself, but basically there are women that are funding a lot of Jesus and the 12 disciples' movements and stuff. It's fascinating. It's cool. The reason why I bring this out is because we don't know specifically who that woman was in chapter 7, okay? We don't know, but immediately they pivot to Mary Magdalene, which is why a lot of people assume it's Mary Magdalene that had been, um, had, had the, the demons cast out, but also had anointed his feet. Now, I'm here to tell you there are scholars on both sides of the equation of whether it was the same woman or not. Doesn't really change it for me. I encourage you to go and take a look and work through it. But the cool thing is, at the start of his ministry, right, towards the start of his ministry, he's in Simon's house. This woman goes and anoints his oil, uh, anoints his hairy feet with oil, right? So he, she does that at the start of the ministry, and then we go on. Okay, now the reason why I want to go to the other one is leading up to John. Okay, there's a story where basically Jesus says, hey, I love Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Assumption is that's Mary Magdalene, obviously. Uh, Jesus stays with them while Lazarus is sick. Then he heads out of town for a bit. While he's gone, Lazarus dies, right? Grieves Jesus. He's like, I got to go back. This is a time period where it, like, there's like a warranty, like, what's it called? A, the warrant for his arrest. You know, you know, like those old school like things where it's like plastered everywhere. It's like his face. Like he's a wanted man, right? His disciples are like, well, if you go in there, you're gonna die. Like we shouldn't, we shouldn't go in there. He's like, no, I, I gotta go in there. And they're like, well, okay, well, doubting Thomas, as we call him, is like, all right, well, let's go die with him, which has got a lot of faith. P.S. So Thomas is like, all right, well, if you're going, we're going. We'll die trying to do whatever to help out Mary and Martha who just lost Lazarus, right? So he goes in um, to town, uh, and this is in a town called Bethany, which is in the south. So Jesus goes to see them. His life is in danger. He's outside of the town, sees Martha. Martha goes, gets Mary. All the people that are with Mary, which means that she's honored in a lot of ways at this point, right? They go, and they're like, where's she going? And so they follow her out. And Jesus sees Mary and Martha, and he weeps with them, right? And he's emotional with them, and he says, hey, I want to see the body of Lazarus. And they have this really beautiful exchange. Check it out in John 11. Um, and they all watch, okay? So then Jesus, what he ends up doing is he raises Lazarus from the dead who had been dead for four days, right? And they're like, oh, he's going to smell terrible. When they pull that tomb away, and he calls him out, and he's still, like, bound. And he's like, all right, can you guys, 
unbound him. Like, he's, you know, he's good. Let's go hang out at your house, right? So all this stuff happens. He raises Lazarus from the dead. There's a large group of people that are present. Some of them are like mind blown, right? This is awesome, right? Some of them are like mind blown. We need to go tell the Pharisees. Let's go tattle. So they go tattle on Jesus and like, hey, by the way, everybody's following this Jesus dude, and he just raised a guy from the dead. So I don't know what you guys are going to do about this. And they, they started talking, and they're like, well, it's better for one man to die than, you know what, if, if we've got this guy raising up, well, the Romans are going to come, and they're going to take us out. And so it's better for one to die than all of us to die. So let's, let's go kill him, right? So this is kind of this pivot, right? This is six days before Passover, just to give you a perspective of time. So six days before Jesus goes on in in this story. So the other one was in Luke, and that was at the start of his ministry. Here, Matthew 26, Mark 14, John 12. Got those verses up there for you. You can check them out. These three all really are pretty much the same story from three different men, okay? And so if you go back and look at them, I'm not going to go through the, everything with all the other ones. I've just picked John 12 to talk about, okay? So with John 12, you've got Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They welcome Jesus into their home. So in Lazarus's home, not in Simon's home. Okay? Martha's serving, serving, serving. Mary goes and takes this jar and anoints his feet with oil. Okay? And this thing is like super, super, super offensive to Judas in particular. Judas, um, obviously we, we know that he, he betrays Jesus shortly after this, but this is kind of like a defining moment. He's holding on to the money and he's thinking to himself, all right, I get to pocket, you know, one for you, two for me, you know, like, so he's looking at this like, all right, this woman right here, she's been moved, she's going to give, she's been kind of funding some of this stuff, she's got some dollars, all right, right, and she busts over in this, this jar, and he's like, whoa, what are you doing, like, you're going to pour this thing out, like, what a waste, what a waste, that's 300, we could have sold that thing for 300 denarii, and denarii, the original word for denarii means 10 donkeys. So one denarii could fetch 10 donkeys. Now, around the time of Jesus, because of shrinkflation, the donkeys were not as fed as well. Supposedly, it was about 1 to 16 donkeys. So we're talking about, you could have bought somewhere between 3,000 and 4,800 donkeys with this oil that she's like, pooh, let me put this all over you. Think about that for a second. That's a lot of donkeys, Right? Now, I put my stuff on like a 13-year-old, but that's like 4,800 13-year-olds in this room. That's a lot of scent. Think about that for a second, right? So like it is saturated. So like as they're like overpowered with the scent in this house, Judas is upset. He's like, man, how much money could we have had and how much money could have that been in my pocket, right? And so he's working through this stuff and he's like, oh, man, here is this woman going ahead, bookending kind of the start and the end of his ministry with, again, anointing his feet. He's like, hey, you're always going to have the poor with you, but you're not always going to have me with you. She is anointing me for my burial, right? He knows. He tells them pretty plainly, although they don't really see it, hey, I'm going to die. I'm going to be put up on a cross pretty soon, right? Like this is kind of the, this is the plan. This is what's going on. So I want you to think about that for a second. Um, as what happens next. Uh, let me see. Insights, South, I said that. Lazarus, um, good enough. All right. Um, happens next. 
Immediately, also on top of them wanting to kill Jesus, they're like, this Lazarus guy's got too big of a reputation, too big of a witness. We need to kill him too, again. Like, dude just died. And you're like planning his death again. Like, how morbid is that, right? Um, Jesus comes back for the Passover within that week, and there's a lot of talk. Is he going to come back? Is he not going to come back? Like, everybody knows, like, hey, he's a wanted man. Like, this is not a good situation for him. Let's see what happens, right? He comes back in. When he's at the Passover dinner, one of the things he ends up doing is he turns around and he anoints his disciples' feet with water. He washes them with water, right? And he serves them. He says, hey, I'm going to have an attachment with you too. But all that time, he's still smelling like Mary, right? He's arrested in the garden. Judas sells him out for 30 pieces of silver, right? He's taken before the courts, before the people, then to the cross. As he's walking through the cross, or walking through town to the cross, uh, there's like hordes of people. Now, when I was in Senegal, um, there was a lot of animal sacrifice on, on, their, on their days that they would have sacrificial days. And it's crazy because like the weeks leading up, that Senegal had like 4 million people, but it felt like 8 million people plus like 12 million sheep right, leading up to these sacrifices. And it's weird because you would walk around and there was sheep everywhere and it was loud, right? And then I knew when it was their day of the sacrifices over there because in a morning it was silent. It was eerie. It was like this quiet, right? There's this change. So like there's all this commotion, right, that's going on in this city too. Like there's, there's people coming from everywhere to, to offer their sacrifices. There's sheep everywhere. There's stuff going on. There's this Jesus guy who's been raising people from the dead who now, all of a sudden, everybody's like, yeah, we're going to take the, the worst dude ever and let's free him from jail. And let's, let's put Jesus on the cross instead. Like, there's all of this stuff, but every one of these steps, everybody is seeing him and smelling what? Mary. Isn't that cool? Think about that for a second. As he's walking for days, he's associating with her and the extravagance that she put on his feet, right? Even, I mean, even think about this. While he's on the cross and everybody's coming to see what's happening on the cross, his feet are like nose level. Like we are smelling like, hey, if you didn't get a good smell before, come and smell this now. Like literally smelling like her, which is crazy, and awesome, right? But while he died, while he was buried, for those days, guess what? She's walking around town, and everywhere she goes, people smell Jesus, right? Everywhere she's going, they say, oh, I smell Jesus. I smell, that's like he associated with that woman. Why? Because she would pour out her heart in extravagance towards him and say, you know what? 4,800 donkeys does me no good in eternity. No good, right? I'm going to extravagantly give what I've got. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 2, 15 and 16, it says, we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those, well, I double, whatever. Um, to one, a fragrance of death to death, and the other, fragrance life to life. The thing is, when you smell like Jesus, to some it's going to smell like death, and to some it's going to smell like life, right? 
It's a mark of smelling like Jesus. But you know what? He's, he wants us to be intimate with him. He wants us to be saturated with him. We, he wants us to like be pressed in a way. Like If you feel like in your life you're, you've got pressures on your life, that there's heat on your life, that there's this something that's happening with you where you're like, man, I feel like every ounce of life in me is getting squeezed out of me. It might be the process of him producing oil. And the question is, what do you do with that oil? Is it going to be an oil of bitterness, of I'm the victim? Is it going to be an oil of gladness and say, God, you know what? It is what it is. This is where I'm at. I am at my end, but I will give you everything that I have. Like if you want to smell like Jesus, that's what it takes. And the beautiful thing, the hopeful thing for us is he looks at the equation and he is not afraid. Like if he's not afraid to mark himself with a prostitute, if he's not afraid to mark himself with somebody who had seven demons in them, why are we afraid sometimes to connect ourselves with him? Do you think that he is afraid to mark himself with you? You know what I'm saying? Like, there's an invitation that he is saying, hey, I just, I just want who you are. I just want to be intimate with you. I want to know your heart. I want you to know my heart deeply. Like, I want you to come into my presence, spend time with me, and saturate yourself with my presence, and then you'll walk with my aroma. Isn't that cool? It's good stuff. All right. Um, as we go into groups to, to pray with each other, some of the things that you can be asking yourself, and even when we're doing worship, do I smell like Jesus? Do you want to smell like Jesus? Uh, what would it look like for me to pour up my heart to him fully? Do I feel pressure and the heat in my life? What if he's inviting me to saturate, my, saturate myself with him or spend time with him? Because really what happens next is up to you. Dad, we are thankful for your goodness and your faithfulness. God, I am thankful that you are not ashamed to carry our scent. You're not ashamed to carry our scent. God, give us the boldness not to be ashamed to carry your scent. God, may you be with these people as we go out into our families, into our schools, into our workplaces. God, I ask that you bless us with hope, bless us with favor. God, bless us with your delight. God, may we walk with the joy of the Lord. May that be our strength. God, may you put your peace that goes beyond understanding on each of us and our families. May you bless our children and our children's children. 